Peace of Christ to you all as you make your way back to your seats. Do want to invite the children that haven't made their way to children in worship to, through that door and into um, uh, the children in worship and also welcome any visitors that are with us and uh, ask that uh, at the conclusion of the service you might even stop by the five-minute party which is just outside um, in the atrium on your way out of the service. Um, and uh, be sure uh, during the course of the service to complete the who's who in the pew pads. So you'll see who you're worshiping with, and we might have record of folks um, who were here uh, today. Um, you know, evangelism, if the, the word evangelical, the, the word evangelism, gets all different kinds of responses. And I had one um, yesterday at, uh, uh, after doing, um, serving at Shirley Newman's uh, funeral, I had an individual come up to me and just say, um, ask me about the church and that kind of stuff. And when I told him, I think it was when I told him where I went to school, that it was uh, uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, and then told him, you know, we're part of the Covenant Order of Evangelical Presbyterians. He says, oh, evangelical. That means you're a rabble-rouser, right? And I, I thought, well, you know, that... That's not really what evangelical means. You know, it means good news. Um, it, it, and somehow it just shows how that, that, that word evangelism has been taken and twisted and turned upside down from what it really is supposed to mean for us. I mean, that, that we are messengers of that good news, that, that we are, are witnesses in our own lives that Jesus is good news. And, and being a part of the covenant order of evangelical Presbyterians means we want to be a, a part of a community that's encouraging and helping and spurring one another on and challenging each other to be out there as messengers of that good news, of being evangelists. And uh, this... Uh, we, we started talking about this Connect 3 uh, back in the summer and the fall. And we talked about how we, we want to be a people that, that connects um, with, in three different ways. It's just sort of our, the way that we live. It's sort of the baseline for us as uh, College Hill Presbyterian. We want to connect with God. Uh, we want to regularly connect with one another. And we want to regularly, weekly connect with people outside uh, the church. You know, we, and in each of those engagements, we want them to be about good news. Uh, we want to be up, we want to be in, and we want to be out in our connections being about the good news. And, and this, we, we talked in the fall about how we connect with God. And then in this uh, the late fall, early spring, we or uh, early winter, we talked about uh, uh, connecting with one another and our one anothering. And, and so now we're, we're in that um, talking about how we connect with others and how we're messengers of that good news. Um, our passage that we'll look at uh, that uh, spurs us on to that is Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. It's found on page 884 in your pew Bible. Um, let's, uh, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for the, the good news of, of Jesus in our own lives. In, in ways that you have brought us peace and, and meaning and, and purpose and, and forgiveness and, and, and love. In ways that you have taught us uh, what is good, that you've continued to, to form us. And now, Lord, we, we pray that you'll bring those to mind. You'll, you'll help us uh, recount in our conversation with you as we hear your word of 
the, the ways that that's been true in our lives. And prepare us, Lord, so that we can be messengers simply of witnesses, sharing the ways that you have been good to us. Speak to us, form us, um, lead us on to be your people of good news. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. This is right at the ascension of Jesus. Jesus has already lived. He's died. He's been... um, uh, He's resurrected and now he's he's come back among the disciples and he's about to head back up to heaven in his ascension and these are some of his last words then to his followers uh, starting with verse 6 so when they had come together they asked him lord is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to israel he replied It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by His own authority. But, in other words, don't worry about that. I got that under control. That is not of your concern. But this is of your concern. This is now. This is what you need to be concerning yourself with. This is what you give yourself to. Don't try to figure out what the next step is. I'll tell you, this is the next step for my people. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The charge there, the, the, the command, His word to His people is, now you just go be my witnesses. And what are witnesses? They just say, they tell their story. This is what I saw. This is what I heard. This is what I did. This is what I experienced. That's all that Jesus' followers are called to do. Experience the good news with Jesus and now simply share those stories with others. And throughout the New Testament, you see this happening over and over again. The Apostle Paul, one of the the great early evangelists of the church, we're, we're told in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9, of his conversion, of his, his story of encountering Jesus and how it changed his life. And he tells that story two more times in the book of Acts as he is before different people. He simply tells them in Acts 22 and 26, this is what happened to me. This is how Jesus encountered me. This is how Jesus has changed me. This is how Jesus is good news to me. Um, We see it in John chapter 4. If you want to turn there with me in verse 39 is where we'll uh, pick this up. And, uh, but I'm just going to get the end of the story. What happens in all of John chapter 4, this is the, the event where Jesus encounters a, a woman from Samaria who's getting water at the well. And in this encounter with Jesus, the, the, the woman, she sort of dances around a few things and tries to avoid encountering Jesus and tries to put up a smoke screen. And Jesus goes straight through it, hits to the heart of the matter with her, and she is released from her sin and from her own brokenness. You can read the whole story, but what I want to show, I want to just demonstrate here and encounter here what, what the results of Jesus being good news to this woman at the well then meant. 
Because what happened is after she left the well, she went back to her home, back to Samaria. And she shared her story with others. And so this is what happens in verse 39. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And her testimony was simple. He told me everything I'd ever done. Now notice that. You know, she's not a debater. She's not a theologian. She, she's not trying to argue with anybody. She's simply saying, hey, this is what happened when I encountered Jesus and it changed my life. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. So with this, this woman, she wasn't trained in any way. She was a Samaritan. She was sort of an outcast. She had a mess of a life. But she encountered Jesus. That brought good news. And now she went home and simply told her story. To, enough so that other folks said, ah, We've got to go check out this Jesus guy. Is, is he for real? And when, they, when people start asking that question, then Jesus shows up in serious ways. We see the same thing in Mark uh, chapter 5. Again, uh, where an individual encounters Jesus, and it is really good news, and they simply share their story, and it has impact. All around him. This is the guy, uh, the, the guy who's, who's crazy, who's not in his right mind. He, he was in garrison. He, he was living in caves and caged up. People would put him in chains. They were all scared of him and kept him far away. And Jesus encounters him and heals him and brings him good news. We're told he puts him in his right mind and he goes back into the village and encounters folks. He doesn't even have to tell their story. I mean, they, they can see the difference in his life. And we'll, we'll see their uh, reaction. Mark chapter 5, starting with verse 15. They, meaning sort of the crowd, they, they came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there. Demoniac's a word for someone who's uh, over, overtaken by a demon. And uh, that's who this guy was. They saw him sitting there, clothed, and in his right mind, And the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who'd seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood as he was getting into the boat. The man who had had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy He has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. Now, in this, in this situation, as Jesus brought good news, the people didn't respond initially. There was a whole group that said, You know, this guy, what is, who is this guy? Well, Jesus, will you just go back home? Will you leave us and go to another place? And and Jesus sent the man. The man said, well, Jesus, I just want to go with you. He said, no, you go back. You continue to tell your story. And as he told his story, others came alongside him 
and were amazed at what Jesus did. Now, I share both of these stories just to say, yeah, we are messengers of this good news. But just like the word evangelism, you know, it's, it's sort of gotten turned around and inside out and misunderstood. We are called to be witnesses. And some people will respond to that message. They will respond and want to know more and maybe even encounter Jesus for themselves. And others won't. It's not your fault. It's not because you told your story wrong. It's not because uh, of anything that, that you, you did or said. It's just where different people are. And even in Jesus' day, some people came alongside Jesus and said, I want you. Other people said, Jesus, you scare me. Will you please go back home? But the response in both cases with the, the, the man in Decapolis and the woman in Samaria was that they encountered Jesus and it was great news and they went back to their homes and they simply were there to be witnesses to what Jesus has said and done with them. And that's what we're to be. We're, we're to be evangelists in that way. Witnesses, just simply knowing how we have encountered Jesus, how He has changed us, and we want to share that with others. And I believe that there are a lot of people, just like in the story with the woman in Samaria, and even later in Decapolis, who are hungry to hear those stories. I think one of the reasons that we sort of give evangelism, when we use that word, we think of it negatively, and why we even, when we sit here and say, I'm not an evangelist, how can I share my story? Because we, we've bought into the lie that people really don't want to hear it, that people are against God, that they're against Jesus by their very nature. And I think that's a great work of the evil one to keep us bottled up, to keep us from simply being, from sharing our story. Now, again, again, give me here. This is not a theological discussion. You're not trying to argue anybody into the kingdom. Don't even try it. It doesn't work. So we'll talk about it in a minute. This isn't about your ability or my ability. This is God's power. We're simply called to be witnesses. What, what are the ways that Jesus has made a difference in your life? Just simple stories. As uh, Doug Pollock, who's spoken here before, shares, they're, they're gospel snacks, not a seven-course meal. Uh, folk, folks, now, yeah, folks aren't ready to hear your whole testimony from birth to your eventual death. But a two- to three-minute story of how Jesus has been real in your life. You know, we, we think these days that you know, because the church numbers are, are going down around the country and, and folks keep telling us, well, you know, the, the, the younger you get, the, the less folks are really interested in, in, um, in, in God. And that sort of fits, you know, I mean, in the sense that we all like to wring our hands and be chicken little every once in a while. But that is not true. In a, a Lifeway Research, as a Christian research uh, company, in a recent survey they did, they, they went and polled 20 to 29-year-olds who were unchurched and, and found out that a vast majority, over 85%, had a spiritual interest 
They, they were interested in God. They were, they, they, they were interested in the, the, the spiritual reality of this world. Now, yeah, they, they were unchurched. They wouldn't say it was Jesus or the Holy Spirit or those. But there's a real interest there. And get the 81% of them, again, unchurched 20 to 29-year-olds, said they would love to have a conversation with a friend about what they believe. By far, that's, that's the way. I mean, we're actually, we're, we are set up right now in that age group for these kind of encounters and simple conversations because they're, they're saying, yeah, what I would like is a friend to talk with me about what they believe about Christianity. They really don't want to come in here and listen to me or, or listen to anybody else or even read a book. They simply want a friend to share with them. And, and even uh, over 60% said, yeah, if a friend invited me, I'd even study the Bible with them. Again, it, what was key was that individual connection with somebody else that they knew and trusted. Now, what is true is that folks in that age bracket, they're, they're not interested in church. Uh, you know, they're, for a number of reasons, their view is that church is uh, hypocritical. And, and they, their feeling is if they showed up at church, they wonder if they would be accepted. Now, again, it's all folks that are unchurched, folks that aren't connected to the, the church. So, again, it's, it's prime. There's a spiritual hunger, but it's our charge to be like the woman in Samaria, to be like the, the, the man in Decapolis, to, to go and simply share our stories of how God has been real, how Jesus has been good news in our lives. Now, ask Becky Warren to come forward and just share one of her um, stories of how Jesus was good news. You know, again, be, be, be simple, be real in your own life, and what you'll find, this is just a way that Jesus helped her deal with a fear and, and then even gave her meaning and purpose. Why do you do this every Sunday? Because <laughs> you pray for me. <clears throat> we on? I don't know. Yes, thank you. I became a deacon in 2011. I thought, I'd go to some meetings, I'd usher a little bit, maybe collect some canned food around the holidays. No big deal. <laughs> then I found out there was transportation. Now, I didn't even like driving myself places, set aside other people. What if I got lost? As you all know, I do that quite a bit. And then I was late. What if I got in an accident? I was a mess. For three months of active deaconing, every Sunday, I would wake up panicking about transportation. Deaconing was no fun. I got used to certain places. Mount Healthy was easy. I substitute taught there. Landfair and Twin Towers, simple and close. Except with a two-door compact car, those big walkers were quite interesting to fit in. <laughs> Other places scared me, but I got used to it. The people were worth it. Total blessings once I got there. The second year, we didn't have to do transportation. What a relief. But I wanted to help out. So I helped in ways I could and where I was comfortable. The third year of deaconing, I got a new cell phone. Now, that's not to brag that I got a new cell phone, and it seems totally unrelated. But 
As I said before, I get lost easily, and I'm scared of getting lost. That new cell phone had free GPS services. Amazing. I can follow directions. I'm a teacher. Turn left here, right there, merge here, go there. It was a blessing. I was comfortable going anywhere. Just stick the GPS on and go. When I was nominated to be deacon again, I joined the team that does transportation. I had fun. This year, I'm the coordinator of transportation. <laughs> I never thought I would be coordinating transportation. I had too much fear and problems with it. God helped me overcome all my fears and actually enjoy something that served people in the church. I enjoy something I used to be totally scared of. God's amazing. Thanks, thank you. Now, you see, it's just a simple story of a way that God freed her. I mean, you don't have to be a um, Pulitzer Prize winning author. You, know, you don't, don't have to, to, to be a theologically trained debater. It's just a simple, real, concise way that Jesus is good news to you. If it's conquering fears and giving you, you pleasure in, in serving others. If it's in the, the ways that you encounter forgiveness. It's the way that you have the peace. The, the ways that you've learned to love. Um, ways that, that you have um, been able to address addictions, uh, ways that you've been able to address sin in your own life, whatever those simple or grand ways may be, Jesus is good news for you. Now, what I'm uh, uh, going to ask the um, ushers to do now is just distribute to you a simple sheet of paper. And it says at the top, how has Jesus been good news in your life? And we're going to take a few minutes right now just to jot a few stories down or just a few words or a few ways that, that Jesus has been good news in your life. Like I said before, you know, if each of us have three different stories, then we've got over a thousand. And so there's over a thousand tongues uh, singing of, uh, of his praise. And then as you write these down, and, and again, it could just, we're not going to take a, a whole lot of time uh, now, but as you write these down, then you, you s- practice sharing one of them at lunch today. You know, just share with somebody else. Some of the, the, the issue is just us being willing to, to share those stories and saying Jesus out loud to another person outside of church. You know, if you, if you uh, go to, to Lunch Bunch today, which is at uh, Panera, you know, make that one of, your, one of the conversation points. What's one story where Jesus has been a good news? Now, and remember, for some of us that we, we need to hear, you know, short, concise, simple story. Not our life story. And other of us, you know, it's just, if it's just two sentences that you're able to get out and share, that's great. That's part of practicing. And as we talked last week as well, you know, we, we want this, this time of sharing good news is about prayer. That we need to be praying. One, we need to be praying for God's heart for the world. We need for God's heart to the world to infiltrate us. 
You know, last week we talked about the, that parable that Jesus tells where he had 99, had a 99 sheep and he lost one. And he left the 99 in order to go seek after the one. And that, that we need that same spirit, the same heart of God alive within us. And that we need to be in prayer saying, God, bring to mind those, those stories, just those events, or, or even just the concepts, the ways that Jesus has bring good news to us so that when the opportunity arises, we're able to share that with others that God brings across our path. Again, they're simple, relatable, and concise. You know, a, a gospel snack. Now, I invite you as the um, band leads us in this uh, song, just take this time and reflect and write a few ways that Jesus is good news to you. Mm-hmm.